0: Well, I want to say thank you for that and for just being able to take off uh, an extended amount of time. We, Don and I, have never done that before, taking that much time off. And uh, it's good to know that this place is in good hands. James McDonald has done a tremendous job, Jason Trent did a tremendous job. It's obviously obvious that they're uh, studying the Word and getting into the Word so that that we can all be fed together. So, So this morning, I want to share with you a message that um, um, has been stirring in my heart. Have you ever had trouble with your faith? (laughs) I think there's probably everybody here. I mean, I'd like to just say, I always believe God, and I'm always doing what he says to do, and I'm always, but we struggle with faith. And so today, I I want to bring a word to you that... I hope, stirs your faith. And really isn't that why we come together weekly, oftentimes, so that we can be encouraged in our faith, so that we can be stirred in our faith, so that we can worship the Lord together and experience his goodness. And as we experience his goodness and experience his word, experience his presence, experience fellowship, experience people encouraging us, that our faith gets built. And we're able to face it another day, another week, and, and, and we grow in that. So I want, to, I want you to look with me, if you would, in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And this is actually kind of keeping along with the senses. We're going to look at, titled this, What Are You Beholding? Or the subtitle, What Are You Looking At? <laughs> 2 Corinthians three eighteen. And we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now Paul is writing this and he's, he's just explained, he's been talking to them about Moses and how Moses came down from, from, the, from the mountain and, and he, he'd, he'd been in the presence of God. And as he'd been in the presence of God, he came down and his face glowed so much that they said, man, you need to put a, a a veil over your face. We can't, we can't stand to look at you. It, it's so bright. The glory of God is all over you so much. How'd you like to walk around with that? You know, people just said, man, that's just too much glory of the God on you. Well, so they had to put this veil on and, and he put this veil on so that he could talk to them and it wouldn't, wouldn't uh, bother them so much. But anyhow, um, he's saying, but we get to behold God with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. And when that happens, when we behold the glory of the Lord, something happens. We are being transformed. Anybody need to be transformed? The word is metamorphoso and, uh, and where we get metamorphosis. It's, it's a transformation. It's a complete transformation from the inside out. We're being transformed into what? Into the same image. As we behold the Lord in worship, in the word, and, and all these things, we are beholding him. And as we behold him, we get transformed into the same image. But he said, Lord, I want to be more like you. What are you looking at? What are you beholding? He said, as we behold his glory, we've been transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord. It's a process from one degree to another. Every time we gather together and worship the Lord. And he speaks something into our heart. Or gives us a word of encouragement. Like he, like he gave uh, to me today. Uh, just another word that I love you. I'm for you. And, he, and you speak out that word. And, and you experience that. And you're challenged. And you, you, we grow from one glory to another. So... As we do that, we grow in faith. As we do that, we grow in glory. As we do that, we grow in our walk with the Lord. But then we face regular life and we see all kinds of other stuff, don't we? We see our situation that looks bigger than, than we can imagine. We see our home life. We see um, our work. We see the situation. We, we see all kinds of things. We watch the news. We uh, and, and our faith kind of goes out the window. Driving down the road and you see the way people act and behave and, or maybe the way you act behave. and behave. And your faith just kind of goes out the window. And so I'm going to come back to the question, what are you beholding? What are you looking at? Because if, if we will behold the glory of the Lord in these situations... We will be changed from glory to glory. The goal is transformation. That's the goal. As we, as we spend our, our days on this earth, from the moment that we're born again to the time that we go home to be with him, there's something that's taken place in us, a metamorphosis. There's a change that's taking place. Transformation is the goal. The word that we use is, and that the Bible uses is sanctification. It's, it's that process of, where my mind, my old way of thinking, my old way of acting, my old way of doing things gets transformed into his image and I become more like him. But the only way I can become more like him is to, to be with him more, to behold him more, to look at him instead of everything else around. You ever had your kids go spend uh, you know, half a day or a day with a kid down the street and that kid down the street wasn't really a good kid? and your kid comes home with a bad attitude and thinks that they can talk to you the same way that that kid talks to his parents? Anybody ever experience that? Yeah. You gotta remind them. Who you hang around with, who you, I mean, that stuff rubs off on us. And it rubs off on us for good or for bad. So let's take a look at a couple things. Um, We're transformed into what we see. And that's why it's important for us to worship, experience his presence that's why it's important for us to study his word not just read it every day read it every day is good but we need to study it we need to break it down the bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god the word of god is supernatural it's not just a it's not just another you know self-help book it's not just another good thing to read i mean when we it it's it's better than the ted talk you know what I'm talking about? It's not just another good idea. It's, it's it's supernatural, and His Word will increase your faith. It will it will cause it to be increased. Quiet time, spending time with the Lord in the, in the mornings or whatever time of day that is for you, where you meditate on His Word. You just think about Him. You're still and you listen to Him, um, praying. Uh, and not just a couple of times a day, but praying without ceasing that's that 's turning our attention back to him that 's turning our focus back to him so that we behold him. I, I encourage you all during the course of your day you, you run into situations whether, whether you you need help or whether you 're just thankful. turn to the Lord and just just whisper out a prayer, God thank you for this, this is this is this is really cool or Lord, I don't, know, I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how to fix this car. I don't know how to fix this system. I don't know how to, how to handle these people at work. I don't know how to do these things. Lord, I need your help. Give me, can you give me some patience? Can you give me some instruction? Can you show me uh, how to talk to my wife? Can you show me how to talk to my husband? Can you show me how to talk to my children? Because he knows all of that stuff. And as you turn to him, you will behold him and you'll be changed into that same image and you'll be able to grow and you'll be able to share those with other people. All these things, beholding the Lord, it changes our perspective. You ever been in a situation where you said, you, you couldn't quite grasp something and now all of a sudden you went, oh, now I see now I see you're saying now I understand but now I see I'm seeing it differently and Jesus mentioned that many times he said you know you have eyes to see but you don't see you have ears to hear but you don't hear I want to have eyes that see and what it what it really comes down to is perspective do I see the way he sees or do I see the way I see And as I behold him, as I spend time with him, I'm constantly being transformed into a place where I begin to see more like him. But this life, I'm telling you, the challenges of this life, the issues of this life, if you're not careful, can suck all the faith out of you. And so we have to constantly, day by day, moment by moment, behold his glory. It's a process. And in that process, My challenge to you today is don't give up. Don't give up. Many in this room, I mean, we just had a wonderful time of worship. Hopefully your heart is already encouraged. But you might have come in here today and you're just like, I'm kind of going through the motions today. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but we've all showed up to church and gone through the motions a little bit. But even, here's the cool thing. If we'll just show up, he shows up. And even if you're just going through the motions for a few minutes... Usually, he gets you a hold of your heart, and you feel better by the time you leave. Because why? Because you've experienced him. You've beheld him. You've, you've beheld his glory. So to walk in victory, we must walk by faith. And so I want to encourage you in your faith today. We have to, And if we're going to walk in victory and walk in faith, we're going to have to change what we see. How we see what we see So let's look at a few things. We walk by faith and not by sight. We must see with the eyes of faith. Look with me in Hebrews 11. Now we're gonna turn to Hebrews 11, but the basis of this whole scripture is what I just read, that we are, by what we behold, we're being changed into his image. So I'm gonna look at a few things in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, um, well, the whole book of Hebrews, it is a wonderful uh, rhetoric argument or, or exposition on how God spoke to the children of Israel in times past. He, he, all these things that happened in the Old Testament happened and were fulfilled by Jesus Christ Himself, God's Son. Come, it starts off, it says, In times past, God spoke to us through the prophets and through uh, and different ways, but in these last days, He's spoken to us through His Son, and so He speaks to us through Jesus, and Jesus. As, as gets explained in the book of Hebrews marvelously is the fulfillment to everything in the Old Testament. It's the fulfillment to the Sabbath. It's the fulfillment to the, to the uh, sacrifices. It's the fulfillment to the, the lamb, the, the, the scapegoat, the high priest, everything, the temple, all of that is, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so the writer of Hebrews in, in 11 He's going to talk to us about all these people who were tremendous men and women of faith. But he starts off in Hebrews 11, 1, and he says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the, that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. It's faith, in another, in another translation, is the substance of things that we hope for and the evidence of things that we don't see. So faith is, is all about substance, evidence, hope, assurance, and things that we don't see with our natural eyes. It's seeing a different way. We have to change the way we see. It's not based on our natural eyes. Our natural eyes can fool us. But God's word and, and his character and his principle and his love never changes. So faith is all about the things that we don't see and putting our hope and our confidence in that. So I'll ask you again, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? We need to put our hope and our confidence in Jesus. And he said, and all, these, all the people that, that he's fixing to talk about in Hebrews 11, they were commended for their faith. They were commended for holding on to God's word in the midst of very difficult situations. And he goes on and he says, by faith, they, and, and if you look through the, uh, I'm not going to read through all of Hebrews 11, but it goes through, by faith, we understand that the, that the worlds were formed, you know, Adam, um, Abel offered a better sacrifice, Enoch walked with God and then was no more. Noah, he built, a, he built an ark to save the people. Um, Abraham left his home, not knowing where he was going, but he was obedient to God because God said it, he did it. All these people acted in faith. God spoke, and so they said, yes, I believe you. I'll do it your way, whether it looks right or not. How foolish must, have, must Noah have looked for 100 years building an ark? Day by day, telling people, it's going to rain. Rain's coming. They didn't even know what rain was. Rain's coming. A flood's coming. Get right. And they laughed at him. Abraham. got everything. everything's good where he lived. And God said, I want you to leave here and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. Now, faith is not... Having God explain everything to you before you launch out. I wish it was that easy. And here's the problem with faith: if we want, we want to know God. Well, what is the plan? And then I'll step out. What is the plan, Lord? But sometimes He only gives you a little bit. And I think really the He does that for our benefit. He does it to, to test us to see if we're gonna if we'll obey. But he also does it for our benefit because if we knew what the journey of faith was gonna look like, we wouldn't even step out. And so he says, step out. Step out in faith. And so uh, as I speak these words, some people are thinking right now, there are some things that God's calling me to do and I'm not not sure if I'm ready to do it yet or not. Hopefully by the end of the message, you'll be ready to say, yes, God, I'll do whatever. Um, Sarah conceived Isaac blessed his son Jacob blessed his son Joseph blessed his children Moses' parents hid him by faith Moses' parents said I'm not going to turn him over to be killed by Pharaoh When they were killing all the children I'm going to hide him And they hid him in, in, the, in the basket And in the bulrushes And he ended up being raised in, in Pharaoh's household And the Bible goes on to say By faith these people did all these amazing things by faith, they, they crossed the Red Sea. By faith, so many Old Testament characters did exploits. They, they stood by faith even in the midst of difficult situations. Many of them faced persecution, imprisonment, death, stoning. It says they were cut in half. They, by faith, they held on to what God said because they saw things differently than the way other people see things. They saw with their spiritual eyes and they acted on that and so that's what faith is faith is seeing the things that we hope for faith is recognizes that it's the evidence the concrete evidence of things that we don't even see they saw it differently what am i looking at what are you looking at now i want to take a second to to kind of look at some of the the dangers and distractions to our faith It's one thing to come to church and say, yes, God, I believe you. Yes, God, I believe that Jesus is your son. Yes, God, I believe that you love me. Yes, God, I believe that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. Yes, I believe I'm righteous. Yes, I believe that that you want to use me mightily. I believe that you want to take me and do things. You want to speak to people through me. You want to lead people to Jesus. You want to make me a better person. You want to transform me. You want to do all those things. But there are dangers and distractions to our faith, and they are doubt and unbelief. And those are the things we struggle with. We believe on Sunday morning, or we believe when things are going good, when things are challenging, doubt creeps in. So I have to ask myself every day, what am I looking at? And I'm telling you today, this message is as much for me as it is for you. Because I have to be reminded that I have to keep my eyes on the things above and not on the things of this earth. We need to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to see the way the world sees I want to challenge you not to behold as the world beholds worldliness the media, social media those things while they can be good and it's, it's fun to look at what people are eating and, and how, how people's kids are growing up. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that, that I get to see some of, the, some of my family members that live in other states. I get to see their kids and, and uh, I, I get, whether I like it or not, to know how people think politically. Um, and everybody's got an opinion. Um, but we need to be careful what we, what we allow into our minds and into our ears and into our head. What are we looking at? The Bible says that Lot, remember the story of Lot? It said that righteous man, he vexed his righteous soul every day by the things he saw and heard. Lot was Abraham's, Abraham's nephew and he, and he pitched his tent over towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And day by day, he got closer and closer and closer. He got closer and closer. He, and before long, the next time you read, he's living in Sodom. He's living in that city. And it says that it vexed his righteous soul by the things that he saw and heard, the wickedness all around him. We need to be careful. Um, we live in this world, but folks, we're not of it. We just celebrated uh, the 4th of July, and I'm telling you, I'm proud to be an American, I'm grateful to, to be born in this nation, I'm grateful for it, but you know, I'm, I'm a pilgrim here, this world is not my home, but yet we live in this world, and it's so easy to be affected by it, it's so easy to be distracted by it, it's so easy to have our affections turned towards it, and the stuff that everybody else wants, and the stuff that everybody else is doing, and the stuff that everybody else seems to get away with. But within Hebrews 11, there's a, there's a verse here. It's not in your notes but, and it's not on the screen, but I'm gonna read it to you. It's, uh, it talks about Moses, how that Moses in verse 25, it says, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What was he looking at? He was looking at his reward. He was looking at heaven. He was looking at the, the things of this world. They do, they're nothing. We used to sing this, this song uh, uh, when I grew up in the, in the Baptist church in the hymns. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. What are you looking at? You looking at the things of the world? Folks, we already know they're not gonna satisfy, but we look at them anyhow, don't we? We already know that, that the best things are putting our affections on those things that are above, where Christ is seated in heavenly places. We already know that's the best thing, but we we, we can get distracted. We can get distracted by the things that we want. We can get distracted by building up that nest egg. Folks, it's good to have a savings account. It's good to have 401Ks. It's good to have a retirement plan. Matter of fact, you should. But I mean, we can get so focused on those things that all our security is in that and our security has to be in God. But in in chapter 11... As I was reading through this again, I noticed between verses 29 and verses 30, and you don't, they're not there for you to look at, but I'll just tell you. In verse, in verse 29, it says, by faith they crossed the Red Sea and they got to see Pharaoh's army uh, uh, drowned in the Red Sea. By faith they crossed the Red Sea. And then in verse 30, it says, and by faith they saw the walls of Jericho fall. And I realized that, that as it goes through and it lists all these different things uh, that the writer of Hebrews is really just talking about the people that came before us, they operated in faith. They believed God even though they didn't see the whole picture. And then he goes on to say that we, we have a much better picture as New Testament believers. But he was saying these people, they had faith. They believed God. But, but there was a gap of time between crossing the Red Sea and seeing Jericho fall. Anybody know what that, that period of time was? It was 40 years in the wilderness. And folks, they didn't, he doesn't commend them for that because they didn't enter the wilderness because of faith. They entered the wilderness because of doubt and unbelief. And it's what the scripture calls later on in many times the day of provocation. The day that, they, that God offered them. You can go into the, the promised land I want you to go check it out. I want you to send spies out. I want you to see how good the land is. I want you to check the whole thing out and then come back and make a report. And they provoked God by not believing him. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna take for just a second, I want us to turn back to Numbers chapter 13 where this happens, the day of provocation. So Numbers 13, we're gonna read through this and I'm just gonna pick out a couple things quickly. Numbers 1. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to, the, to explore the land of Canaan, which, which I am giving to the Israelites. I have that bold in my notes. Which I am giving to the Israelites. This is the land that God promised to Abraham. This is the land that I'm gonna give you. And then they were in Egypt for 400 years as slaves. And now they've come out of Egypt. They've come out with God's mighty hand. They've, they've come out and they've crossed the Red Sea. And God has sustained them and God has done miracles for them. I mean, I mean, if we, if we got to cross the Red Sea, I mean, I'd like to think that I would never doubt God again. If I heard him rumbling from the mountains and speaking to Moses and Moses coming down with his face all aglow and, and, and water came from a rock and manna showed up on the ground, I'd like to think that I would never doubt him again. We've all experienced his goodness and his miracles. And yet we still struggle with this thing. So I'm not gonna be too hard on the children of Israel because I can kind of relate. So here we are. He's, he says to them, send some people into the land which I am giving them. And I emphasize that again, which I am giving them. The promise is there. I promised it to Abraham and now I'm promising it to you. I am gonna give you this land. It's not a question. He's not saying, I want you to send out spies and see if if you can take it. He said, I want you to go check out the land that I'm about to give you. And from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. I want to jump down to verse 26. Because what they they did, they took the 12 spies and they went into the land, one from each tribe, they, and they scouted out all the land of Canaan. It took them 40 days, and they went from this place to that place, and they, they, they saw these, these uh, grape vines that were just burgeoning with grapes, and they cut off a cluster of grapes that were so big, it took two men to carry it. They put it on a, on a, on a stick and, and carried it back with them. And they saw and they said, man, this land is flown with milk and honey. This, this. And they looked at everything. They looked at the people. They looked at their defenses. They looked at who was there. And they came back and now they're about to give a, a report to the people. Keep in mind, what are you looking at as they give this report? Verse 26, and they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. When we went into the land to which you sent us, and we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit, but. Man, in the Bible, there are some buts that are bad and some buts that are good. And this one is the bad one, but I love the ones that say, this is the thing, but God. This is the thing, but God. This is what I see, but God. But he said, but the people who live there are powerful and their cities are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there, giants. Giants. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live in the sea, live near the sea along the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, "We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Don't you love people like Caleb? We can do this. We can. Do, we need to go right now." We need to go right now. We need to take care of this, take care of business. God's with us. And, um, but, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the, about the land that they had explored. And they said, this land that we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Faith sees God. Doubt sees the problem. Now we can realistically see the problem but we can't let the problem be bigger than our God. And that's the problem with doubt and unbelief. It always makes the problem look bigger than your God. And God said, I'm gonna give you this land. But they said, we can't go there. It doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how wonderful it is. It's, it's crawling with, with enemies. It's crawling with powerful people. They got fortified cities. This land eats up its people. And we were like grasshoppers. In our own eyes. And isn't that what happens to us? We become like grasshoppers in our eyes. We're not seeing with the eyes of faith. We're not seeing with the eyes of hope. We're not seeing with the eyes of confidence in God. We're not seeing God, our Creator. We're, not, we're seeing through our own eyes. Let me jump over to uh, Numbers 14, verse 1 that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing this on us? Well, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. I want to share with you just a couple things about doubt and unbelief. God was going to give them the land. They spied it out. They saw it. They, they, weren't in, they, they saw the problems and they saw the possibilities. And two guys saw the possibilities that, and the problems and said, we can do this. But, they, but as fear and doubt entered in the picture. I want to say this, doubt is irrational. God had just taken them through the Red Sea. We just listened to all the things he did for them. They had just been through the Red Sea. They'd seen Pharaoh's army. They'd been in, they had been in bondage and miraculously released crossed the Red Sea seen God make provisions for them all these things over and over and over and yet they don't see their God is big enough to handle the Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Hittites and all the other ites and I got to tell you something as you read through the Bible and you read through their conquest of the promised land which eventually happened those ites are there all the time they're constantly dealing with these ites and you got some ites of your own And they're always gonna be there. There's always some problems. There's always some challenges. There are always some issues. He didn't save us and say everything's gonna be wonderful. He saved us and now he's gonna walk us through all those challenges. And he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always gonna be with you. I'm gonna cause you to be more than conquerors is what he tells us as New Testament believers. And so you're gonna face problems. He said, yes, in this world, you're gonna have tribulation. But I have overcome the world. And so he, he wants us to look with eyes of faith. What are you looking at? The people looked and listened to the report. So faith is irrational because we fall into the trap of what we see. And let me say something to you. Unbelief is contagious. But you know what? Faith is also contagious. Faith is also contagious. Hope and, and encouragement is, is contagious. But this, they've entered into that mob mentality. And it, and it just began to grow and grow and grow. And not only was it now, man, there's enemies out there. There's giants out there. But now it's God, God brought us out here to kill us. God did that. And we can look at this and we can laugh and we can say how silly. But in the back of our minds, sometimes we wonder, why is God doing this to me? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands if you've ever asked, why is God doing this to me? I have stopped asking that question, partly because I know that he loves me. But the other part is, if God wanted to judge me for every, every thought and everything that I did, why wouldn't he? in other words there's enough going on inside of my life if he wanted to judge me and and I would just be an ink spot on the ground so why am I going why would I say god why are you doing this to me there's enough going on in me that there's no reason that he shouldn't but he's shown us mercy He's shown us kindness. He's shown us love. He's washed away all of our sins. He's made us righteous. He's called us his own. I was uh, talking to, to uh, Eric Volz a while back and uh, he said he had this, this uh, Jewish friend um, and he, uh, he says, you know, you know, Christians, they wake up in the morning and they say, God, will you bless me today? Christ, he said, Jews wake up in the morning knowing they're blessed. I think we ought to wake up in the morning knowing we're blessed. You ever done that? Just cry out to God, oh God, will you please bless me? God, will you please bless me? You're already blessed. If you belong to him, if if you're his child and he's promised never to leave you or forsake you and that he's gonna provide for everything that you need, you are blessed. You are blessed and highly favored of the Lord. What do you see? James did a great job last week talking about what we see and, and, and not doubting. But we see ourselves as so pitiful and worthless sometimes. And apart from Jesus Christ and apart from the shed blood, we are. But you know what? He set his affection on you. He chose to love you. He chose to make you his child. And you belong to him. What are you seeing? What are you looking at? These people saw defeat in the future. These people, are, they're, gonna, they're gonna take our wives and children. I mean, they're, they're fabricating stuff that hasn't even, hasn't even happened yet. I mean, isn't that the way worry happen, works though? Yeah. I love the statement, wait to worry. <laughs> we worry about stuff that doesn't even happen. We, we hear a rumble that, that, uh, that another company's taken over and there might be some layoffs. And immediately... We start to worry. Whoa, no, 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 and it grows. What am I going to do? And what's going to happen with this? And I'm going to, and I'm going to have to sell my house. And then I'm going to have to. It hasn't even happened yet, and we worry, and worry, and worry. And that's what they did. And then they blamed God. Then they blamed Moses. We just need to. We need a new leader. Let's get a new leader, and let's go back to Egypt. Let's just go back and surrender. Hey, we're sorry. We should have never left. Doubting is irrational. And it takes you to that place of irrationality. Doubt leads to fear. Fear leads to exaggeration. And we always, doubt exaggerates the problem and draws the wrong conclusions. It'll do that to you every time. It draws the wrong conclusions. Why is God mad at me? Why did God do this to me? Let's look, look in verse 6. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. These two guys, they, they were heartbroken over the, over the faithless people. They were heartbroken over that. And they said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. See, they saw things from a different perspective. God's with us. The Lord has departed from them. Their protection is gone. They may look big, they may look strong, they may look like giants, they may have cities that have uh, big walls around them like Jericho, but their protection is departed. Why? Because God's with us. Let's go. Don't, don't doubt. Don't be unbelieving. Let's go. What has God called you to do? Don't doubt. If God's called you to do it, he's enab- he will enable you to do it. It might be a big dream. It might be a big thing that he's called you to do. What are you looking at? I gotta tell you, over the past period of time, I've been looking at all the wrong things. I'm saying, God, why? God, why? Why this? Why that? Why this? And he challenged me. You need to look at the other things. You need to look by faith. You need to see by faith. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. Imagine the children of Israel... They're in the situation. I've already explained all the things that they've been through and all the things that they've experienced and all the miracles that God has done. But here's here's one miracle of miracles that's, that's with them every day, a constant reminder. Remember that there is, at night, there's a pillar of fire over the whole congregation. And by day, there's a pillar of cloud that's over the whole congregation, over the whole tribe. And everywhere that God takes them to go, there's this cloud that covers them. There's this... I mean, at what point did somebody not go, well, wait a minute. God's with us. He's been with us every single day. His presence is with us every place that we go. He did that. He did that. He did that. And it's one thing to remember those things that happened in the past, but my gosh, he's with me right now. His Holy Spirit hovers over me and dwells inside of me. And What we have to do is we have to look up. I mean, I wish somebody had just looked up and said, hey, there's a cloud of fire right there. I wonder how that got there. God promised he was gonna take us into the land. If he can do that every single day, if he can provide for us every single day, don't you think he can take us in? Look what God has done in your life. Look at the things that he's done. And even if you're in a situation today that is less than ideal, that's less than perfect, or maybe that's just downright horrible, has he ever abandoned you? Will he ever abandon you? No. He's going to take you through. So I want to challenge you today. Look with the eyes of faith. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. James, why don't you all come up? Let's have the band come up. So we're, we're back to Hebrews. We, we, were in, we were in 11, where he talked about all these people of faith. We looked at the little gap between those two verses. And, he, and then he went on to say, and all these people, they trusted God. They believed God. They, by faith, they did all these exploits. And they hadn't even received the promise of Christ yet. They, they embraced it by faith. But we have experienced The promise of grace. We have experienced the shed shed blood of Jesus Christ. And And in Hebrews 12, he wraps it all up and he says this. Therefore, because of all these things, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance or with patience the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith. He says, let us lay aside all of those things. I mean, if if they did that by faith and now we have Jesus, let us fix our eyes on him. And that word fix is a Greek word that means to turn away from other things, to turn your eyes away from other things and fix them on this. I gotta tell you, we just came from vacation. And uh, um, we started off in the um, in on a cruise. We started off in the ocean. We ended up in the mountains, um, and so we were we were driving around in, in the mountains of North Carolina. And it's one of one of one of my favorite things to do. Uh, it's beautiful up there. I'd rented a car that's that's big enough for I rented a suburban because I had six people in the car. I took my, took my family and our kids are not kids anymore. We're all grown-ups. And I said, I'm gonna, I want a car that, that's comfortable and we're gonna, and so we're cruising through the mountains doing day trips. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, just cruising through the mountains and everybody's getting to look. Oh, look at the stream down there. Look at those mountains over there. Look at that waterfall. That's astonishing. And everybody gets to look at those I get to glimpse at them, because I'm driving this big suburban, and you see, I I know, I'm, it's it's lovely. I can see it off in the distance, but my focus is on the road, and my focus is getting us to where we're going. And my wife can tell you this this trip more than ever. I, I was like white knuckling it. I love driving through the mountains. I don't know if it's the big car. I don't know what, but I mean, I'm I'm. I got my eyes fixed on where I'm going because I got a, I got a car, precious cargo. I got my family and we all got to get to our destination. And, and those steep uh, sides there, one mistake, and you're rolling down a hill and that's not a good thing. I got my eyes fixed on what's around the next corner. I'm speeding up and slowing down accordingly. I'm, I'm watching it. I'm not pushing it. I'm not going crazy. I'm keeping my eyes on where I'm going. And folks, if that's the way we have to be with Jesus, we gotta keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You might glance off for a second, but get your eyes back on the road. You might take a look at that for a second, but put your eyes back on Jesus. Because if you look too long, that's where you're going. And it's not a good place. If you look too long to the other things, that's the direction that you're gonna go keep your eyes fixed on Jesus set your affections on those things that are above and I, again I know that these are things that we know these are things that we, that we look at regularly but I want to challenge your faith I want to challenge you stir up your faith every day don't, don't, don't miss a day reading the word don't miss a day spending time in prayer don't miss much time in church Take vacation, do those things, that's one thing. But we need each other. We need to stay encouraged. We need people that'll say, hey, listen, I know I've been there. I've lost loved ones. I've been broke. I've done this. I've done that. And Jesus got me through every single time and he will get you through too. We need people that'll do that. That's why we do the things that we do. That's why we gather. That's why we read the word. We, we can't do it on our own. And we need to have our faith stirred to look to those things that are above. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, fixed on him. He is the pioneer, he's the author and perfecter of your faith. And here's what it says about Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. (laughs) I love this part of the verse and I've shared this many times. The joy set before him wasn't just sitting down at the right hand of the Father, it was having you and me in his kingdom. You were the joy set before him. He saw you and said, I want those people to be in my family. I want them to belong to me. I wanna wrap my arms of love around them. I wanna make them secure and give them a hope and a future and a destiny. And it says, consider him who endured such oppositions from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's our problem in this life. We grow weary, we lose heart. And so I want to ask you today, are you weary? Are you discouraged? Are you hopeless? Are you disillusioned? Have you gotten your eyes off of Jesus and you're just kind of going through the motions? Have you lost your zeal? Have you lost your passion for the Lord? Man, if you get in His presence, He'll give it back to you. He'll give it back to you because He is wonderful. He is glorious. When I consider the one who has forgiven me every time I sin, who's forgiven all of my mistakes. As we sang that song earlier, the goodness of the Lord, all my life you've been faithful. All my life. Don and I, as we had this time away, I mean, just the other day we said, God has been so good to us. He has blessed us in so many ways, not just with a vacation. He has blessed our lives from from the time we were born, getting married, having children, growing up in this church, beginning to be part of leadership in this church, getting to become the senior pastor in this church and experiencing the blessings of God that he has and seeing him carry us through difficult times, challenging times. Amalite, after Amalekite, after Hittite, after Jebusite, every issue, every ite that's come along, he has gotten us through it. Every challenge, he has walked us through it. What else can I say but, God, you have been faithful. I'm not gonna focus on the ites. I'm gonna focus on my Jesus who loves me, who gave himself for me. I'm gonna focus on him. I'm gonna fix my eyes on him and I'm not gonna stop until I reach my prize. And here's, here's, the, here's the last thing I want to say. The higher goal, the goal is transformation that will be transformed, but the higher goal is to know him. The higher goal is to know him. To know him in the power of his resurrection. To know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. To know him intimately in my life. And I gotta say, I know him better than I've ever known him before. And I still Have to go back to this word and say, God, help me not get distracted. I want to consider Jesus. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to consider him so that I don't grow weary in well-doing. I want to fix my eyes. Let's stand up together. We want to take a minute to pray, a minute to worship. As we sing this song, I want you just to offer up your thanksgiving to the Lord. I want you to refocus. If you've gotten if you've gotten your focus in the wrong place, your eyes fixed on things, fixed on the problem, I wanna challenge you to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're going through a challenge that you need somebody to pray with you and stand in faith with you, I want you to, you to come down and let us pray for you. We will, we will believe God to stir up your faith. If you've never asked Jesus into your life and, and you wanna know for sure that you belong to him, come down, let us pray for you. If you've kind of wandered away from him and you need to, you need to stir things up, get right, come let us pray for you. Our pastors and elders will be here at the front, but let's just worship and thank him for being so good.